welcome to One Day Contract, a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For you first-timers, this is the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we sign to a one-day contract to join the show. I know it's a time where we're all a little unsure. It's a serious situation for our country and the world, and there's no way to describe it except for awful. You may be worried, confused, maybe scared. You may already be tired of your spouse and kids being at home, but we're here for you as a distraction to talk about the Panthers, hopefully get your mind off of all this for about an hour or so. And I must note, we're not in the studio as usual. We are social distancing, so we are all at our houses and we are attempting to record this via Skype. So my name's Nikki Wolf. With me as always, down the street about a mile, is Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, and is now the bell of the ball with four egg machines living in his backyard. That's right. My ladies are laying back there. And uh, if you're first time listening to the show, uh, we've got some chickens back. comes out weird if I don't specify that we have some backyard chickens. But um, yeah, it's great. Uh, Nikki, that was a fantastic introduction. I especially liked how uh, you added in some... Uh, sounds of like some dropping pens or pencils in the background. Um, I don't know how you did that so uh, so professionally, my but dog, my dog had some sort of weird thing just happen where he like knocked everything off the couch. <laughs> yeah, or, or it was Colin <laughs> coming in via Skype doing that. Colin, don't talk until you're introduced. That's that's just because we're on Skype doesn't mean that we can break the rules. Uh, don't worry you? about what I'm holding. Oh, we could, you could apparently, you can, uh, you can send in questions. I'm holding a pair of needle nose pliers. They were sitting next to my computer here in the podcast studio at my house. And, um, things are going to get dicey here over the next 14 days. So, um, I'm excited. Uh, I think we all are, obviously it's a, uh, time and, uh, I'm excited to spend the next uh, few minutes yelling at you guys about the Carolina Panthers, uh, via Skype. And maybe we'll just talk via Skype more often because it's kind of fun. It is kind of fun. I don't like that I had to say egg machines talking about your chickens. That made me yeah. feel really weird. Not my wife. Uh, those are my chickens in the back. We've got some four eggs per day coming in at the Klein household. And uh, it's great. I had uh, an egg on toast today for breakfast. I might have a frittata tomorrow. Some egg salad coming in hot. Um, well, I mean, cold, but like you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, metaphorically coming in hot, but uh, deliciously coming in cold. Yeah, don't eat egg salad hot. That sounds terrible. Also, also with us, as always, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, has a nice deck to sit on in his backyard, but is in the majority of the country that now is forced to spend 24 hours a day with his wife and child. Yes, and I really do appreciate the solemn tone you took towards the cancellation of my church basketball league. It has been a very tough time for the community. Uh, we're getting through the entertainment we provided for those three hours on Sunday, watching us try to get up and down the court will be missed by many. I heard the NBA is looking for smaller venues to play games. So well, if, the, if they let us play, there will be smaller crowds. There is no doubt about that. Are they going to play in Charlotte? Because that's not a guarantee that there is going to be a smaller crowd. Oh. Uh, Slam, Hornet, stink. <laughs> Bring back the buzz. I, I see what you did there. <laughs> well, on the one-day contract this week, Max Henson, formerly managing editor of Panthers.com, 
formerly co-host of Group Chat, formerly Panthers Max, now just regular Max, but is excited to finally be able to drink beers on Sunday and not have to worry about what Marty Herney is doing on a daily basis. Welcome, Max. It's good to be back. This is this is my the vaunted second contract, my my second one day contract. So this is the the very lucrative deal that I've been looking forward to signing after my first contract. So I don't really know what I can offer now that I have no information. And the Panthers like they have this this device where they zap your memory of everything from the time you're working there. So I don't have anything to offer of substance. So this should be a really fun show. Yeah. Well, most people aren't you know fortunate enough to get one contract. Very few get two. None get three. So let's let's make this special. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> is, is it like a is it like a blue light? Like Men in Black, they have the red yeah. light that flashes. So just, it's yeah, just it's just like Men in Black actually. Like they, they, I think they use that as a prototype, and it's just within seconds, it's just you're completely wiped. So yeah. I mean, the, mo- so that's, the, that's the, the most famous the pictures century. of. The most famous pictures of Marty, he has sunglasses on. So, I mean, he's got to be the one that's administering that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's, Although, you're, you're, you're connecting all the dots. Also, the most famous photo of Max was with his sunglasses. So maybe he was the guy. I mean, Marty couldn't get everybody. Somebody else had to be getting people. So maybe maybe that's what Max's true job was. Ooh, double agent. Yep, also possible. Was well, there some I'll sort of... Tell. Now third Khalil brother that could have been signed? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't have a super important question. We usually start the show with Nikki's super important question. So I'm just going to kind of leave it to you guys to talk about with everything going on with this right now, any kind of experience or anything that you want to share right now. Don't all speak up at once. Yeah, well, we're all trying to figure out how to say nicely that we're very excited about spending time with our loved ones in, you know, captivity for a while. It's, it's a tough thing to grapple with for not just us, but our loved ones as well. Um, well, I think I'll speak for all three of us when I say, or all four of us. I, I'm, I can only see three people on my screen, so I, I got confused about numbers. Um, none of us are doctors, so obviously anything that we say about the coronavirus, COVID-19 that's happening right now, the situation, uh, any sort of like are not uh, things that we talk about or what's going to kind of happen in the future. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And it is, um, it's pretty jarring. I think that, you know, when you think about even what's happened over the course of the last week, um, it feels so crazy that, uh, you know, a week ago last Monday, the most important thing that was happening in in Pantherland was kind of who was who they were going to be taking with the seventh pick, or you know what their cap space was going to be like. And now the question is turning to be, you know, are when are offseason training? When are OTAs going to start? You know, when is the when is the foot when is football season going to start? When is going to come back? You look at MLS, NBA, MLB, everything is suspended. Las Vegas has closed casinos, which is insane. Um, you know, the whole world has turned uh, pretty upside down in the span of five days. And and I'm sure that by the time that you guys listen to this podcast, there will be some sort of new um, insane uh, breaking news that has come out. You know, Samuel L. Jackson will have coronavirus or, uh, or you know, Amazon will stop delivering or 
the the whole country will be on quarantine. I mean, they're, they're, who knows what the the whole world is in the in the Tyson zone now. So um, it's a little bit crazy, and uh, and I know that for me, I got a little bit caught up yesterday thinking to myself like. It, are, are sports even important? Like, is it important that the Panthers released Colin Jones? Like, do I need to be reporting on that right now? And I realized that obviously, yes, you know, sports are not going to go away. Um, so you have to have your priorities in check. But the reality is, is that this uh, sports are fun and they should be a distraction from what is real life and what can be very frustrating and, and kind of make you feel scared and alone and uh, and in a bad place. And sports should be able to take you out of that. Now, the Panthers may not be able to take you out of being scared and, uh, and in a bad place for the next couple of years. But overall, that's what sports should be doing. It should be a distraction from real life. And so that is once we stop this segment, I'm sure we're going to get right back into how rosy and positive uh, the outlook is here in Carolina. Um, it's all looking up, right? We released Colin Jones. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Colin's face, it looked like he just seen a ghost. Oh, man, we got to stick together. You know, this is, this is the first rule of Collins. We got to stick together. I, <laughs> now I got to reach out. I'm so, look, I'm talking to you guys instead. I, he's wondering where I am and, and I'm talking. All right, I'll do it after the show. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I'll just share my, my personal story as it relates to the coronavirus. I mean, my last day with the Panthers was today. Here we're talking on Monday, and um, the stadium, you know, was, was just pretty much empty. Uh, and I know there, there were a lot more important, bigger things going on in the world, but for me personally, that's certainly not how I envisioned eight years of working with the team ending uh, on on that note. But that's just kind of where things where things are right now, and it was uh, it was a strange day. Um, as, as we, I think it's been strange for everybody just going about their daily lives, but for what's a significant one for me personally, it really kind of put things into a bit of perspective as to just how, um, just incredible things are right now that uh, a building that is, I, is, I've never seen it like that before, of course, on, on the, on a, of all days that day was, uh, you know, strange to walk in, collect my stuff and walk out without really anybody there. So, um, it's a sign of the times, man. This is this is just un, uncharted territory. Did you at least get to take the cupcakes home? No, no cupcakes, no pizza, like none none of the typical kind of office gathering extravaganza. All all, all for naught. So just collected David my Tepper things. And... Doesn't spring for cupcakes for Max. That's the headline yeah, I want. Yeah. That's the title. <laughs> Aggregators, are you listening? Panthers Wire. <laughs> You're out there. Well, Nikki? Max, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really am sorry because like that, that does stink. Like that's a, that's a, you know, it's an end of a chapter for you. And I'm not trying to make light of it. It's an end of a chapter for you. And to, and to have it end with such like a ominous, you know, end. It, it, that that that's that's I, I feel I feel bad for that. That's no good. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it, obviously not how I would have liked it to go down. But I'll be honest. The uh, on the flip side, like when I when I revealed that I was leaving the team. Uh, Twitter, I'm not a big fan of generally. Just the space itself has been so negative for so much of like the time that I've been, I have to spend on it. Um, uh, there are, of course, obvious exceptions on there, but man, when I when I told people I was leaving the Panthers, the outpouring of just like well wishes and nice things people were saying that uh, that was awesome. And Panther fans, uh, 
that I've never met before or never spoken to the way that they just kind of sent me off in, in that respect. So I may not have gotten the personal kind of goodbye from the, the organization just in light of everything going on. But man, the, the Panther fans and the way they reacted, um, it was, it was pretty overwhelming in a really positive way. Nikki, what's been your, uh, coronavirus experiences? What's going on over there? So for me, um, you know, this kind of started more for me, I think before everyone else, because, um, by day I'm an event planner. So we had to start making decisions, really tough decisions, um, weeks ago. And honestly, if we would have recorded this show two weeks ago, I, I would have had a very different perspective. I, I mean, obviously we all would have, because it, it took me days to even kind of grasp what was going on and why we were doing it. Um, obviously my events are not the scale as some of these other people, you know, my heart breaks for these guys. that's had to cancel events, figure out how to postpone and you know, it's their livelihood. Um, it took me a while to even figure out well, why are we doing this? This seems a little bit overreaction, which I, I still hear that now today. People are saying it's an overreaction, but I think the more you have time to wrap your head around it and start reading about things and seeing what's going on everywhere, you really start to realize why we're all doing this and what the point of all this is. It's a very weird situation. None of us have been through this. We've never had something like this in our lifetime, and this is our world right now, and it is scary and it's a little unsure but we are all going to get through it and it's going to take all of us to get through it so everybody be safe be smart and be nice to each other i was at two grocery stores this morning and i saw two extremes of the people who are really nice and the people who are really shitty so don't be the latter be be nice be kind we're all in this together we're going to get through all this we just we all got to be we're a team I should point out that just because we're via Skype doesn't mean that the rules don't apply. So Nikki has used one of our two curses. <laughs> that That's it. So if you're saving one up to hear about uh, uh, Ross Cockrell's New Deal or, uh, or anybody like that, just make sure you save it and use it for a good one. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Come on. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to get started then? Yeah, I think, I think so. so. Yeah. Already. All right. Free agency opening this week. First of all, with everything going on, is this a good idea for the NFL to be moving forward, like just as everything's business as usual? Um, I personally don't, don't think, so. think so. I think that they're they made a a little bit of a misstep here, uh, and and it's kind of you know it's one of those things where everybody tends to get all up in arms, and then uh, and then. At a certain point, once the news starts, once DeAndre Hopkins gets traded, everybody kind of forgets. But I think that in the long run, the way that people are going to look back on this is that, you know, right in the crux of, um, of a global pandemic, the NFL was like, well, how can we we're, – now we're the only show in town. And it seems like they could have pushed this back a week, two weeks – um, for not only the logistical reasons of whatever the medical stuff and getting people in for visits that I'm not as concerned about as just in general, it feels like they, uh, they just kind of, they maybe didn't think about the optics of it. And to me, it feels weird to be talking about these $200 million, $114 million for Ryan Tannehill, 
while the president is going on TV telling us not to go to bars and restaurants and, um, and, and kind of the economy is crashing all around us. Uh, although in the long run, it feels weird to be announcing $114 million contracts for anything. So um, especially for Ryan Tannehill. Sorry, Ryan, if you're listening. I guess the question is, everything else has stopped. Like, do we want a distraction at this time? Like, would we rather people not have a distraction at this time? Because I, I think it's good. I think I would rather, you know, talk do the do the fantasy free agency, fantasy GMing rather than focus on, you know, the other stuff all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, like I saw when Ian Rappaport put out that the league year was going to stay um, you know, as scheduled the reaction to that was largely people saying, uh, thank God we needed this. And I, I, so I do think there is a something to be said for the distraction element of it. The, the, the sports fan out there who is obviously very concerned about what's going on in the world right now, but also to Colin's point wants a little bit of an escape, just something else to talk about. So while Josh, I certainly agree that the optics of it uh, are not great and we may look back on it and, and have a different view. I think right now talking about where DeAndre Hopkins is playing and lining up next to Larry Fitzgerald and that offense with Kyler Murray isn't the worst thing right now um, with, with all that everybody, everybody's dealing with. And um, maybe there's something to be said for that. Does Bill O'Brien have the right to trade DeAndre Hopkins if they don't get along well? Like what has Bill O'Brien done that makes him the piece that you want to keep in Houston. Am I, am I wrong here? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to turn this into a Texans podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you hire these Belichick guys, and, and then they get rid of guys. That's what happens. Did we hire a Belichick guy here in Carolina? No, no, I'm just saying that that's like, you know, just well, you turned it into a Texans podcast. I thought we were talking about the Texans now. I just, no, but just, they, I just but, transferred the we over. But they're getting you know? rid of they're getting rid of guys here in Carolina, too. See, I'm turning it back. I'm a professional. It's so coming across. I was coming across. Wish you could have seen all of the nods that went out across Skype when I said that I was a professional. Mm. Really made really just yeah. filled my heart with joy. I know this isn't a video podcast, but um, oh boy, it was it was really nice. It was lovely. My dog raised his head and from a nap and just kind of glared at the screen when you said that. About what? Can he hear me right now? He can. Marley, come to the screen. <laughs> Let's do this thing. This is good podcasting, right? <laughs> it is. This is how you podcast. Should we pretend like he came? <laughs> That's a yeah, yeah. weird yeah. sentence to say via Skype. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, how did we get here? <laughs> Is there any worries about the 2020 season? Oh, you know, I think I think I need to hear from Josh on what he thinks we're going to do for 2020, because I, I feel like if I suggest that we spend any money in 2020, then I'm going to be I'm going to be thrashed about the head and shoulders very quickly. You mean uh, like, should we be trying to. Like do anything in spend anything in 2020. I mean, they have to have a team out there, right? Like they they have to have 53 guys in the roster, 55 guys. That's going to be weird. We're going to talk about the CBA. Um, I, I think that it's. Uh, I think they are going to need to spend a little bit of money, but no, I think their main goal should be, and I think is to be to clear the slate during 2020 
and operate with the idea that 2021 is when the new era really begins. And this is, we are in this weird transition period this season. And it kind of, the almost like coronavirus has helped a little bit with that feeling in that next season is going to be weird from a fan standpoint, from a stadium standpoint. I think all that stuff is going to be really weird. And maybe they, you know, they kind of lucked out a little bit. You never want to say that with a global pandemic, but from a, uh, that's a good, that's a good uh, Panthers wire headline right there is (laughs) Josh Klein says coronavirus actually lucky for Panthers. If you're going to tank, I'm just saying tanking in the year of a pandemic may help bury the headline. (laughs) From an optics standpoint, of course. Max, what do you think? You're you've been kind of in the building a few months. You've talked to Matt Rule, obviously. What do you think, and Marty, and all those guys? What do you think their goal is for this for the 2020 season? I, I would say I think the goal first is to begin implementing the Matt Rule culture, and that's going to take a, a, a number of different forms and, and shapes. And obviously, everyone immediately is going to look at, well, what's the what's what's the win and loss record going to be? I mean, that's what the NFL is about, the wins and losses. And we can talk about that, certainly about, you know, how competitive we think this team can be. But I think, generally speaking, it's about implementing that culture. And that's what Matt Rule signed up for. I mean, he's got a long contract. His history at Temple, they were terrible to begin with. At Baylor, they were terrible to begin with. And his M.O. is to slowly just build the thing back up. And I think that's what he's very prepared to do with the Panthers. Now, um, I think what we're going to find out in free agency is just what, 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 what's the Panthers plan? I mean, how, how many holes are they going to try to fill and with what kind of money are they going to spend doing so? Um, are they going to, to try to plug them via free agency, which we know is going to, to cost some capital versus building through the draft? And we know that's a bit of a longer process. And I think knowing Matt Rule and, and his history, he he's he signed on for this, the, the slow and steady rebuild. I mean, I think that's what that's what he's best at um, and that he, he understands the time that that takes. And I think the Panthers are going to give it to him. Um, but I, I would say to answer your question, Josh, that's that's the first thing is they got to identify which guys are going to fit that culture. Which guys do they want to try to be the ones pushing it? Uh, I think we've seen some moves as of as of late, even within the team that they've kind of gone in a different direction. You look at the Trey Turner trade, bringing Russell Okung in as just one example of, of moves that they're making that maybe signify ways in which they want to start this Matt Rule era and get him kind of from the ground level building this thing in his vision. I want to ask you about this, this culture thing, because do you think this is a, effectively a whitewashing of, of Panthers culture? And as somebody that's been a part of, you know, a, a very, successful time for the team particularly off the field in terms of man of the year and guys being active in the community are are they you know are they completely like you know cleaning everything out and whitewashing you know to to create this new culture yeah i mean i think the when you say that it's it has a bit of like a negative connotation and i and i get that because there was a lot of really good things about the culture that was in place before under ron rivera and and, you know kind of what you're alluding to they they did things the right way they had some really strong leaders in that locker room who did great things on and off the field but yeah i think matt rule and if there's one thing i know about him and his staff what i've learned very quickly is they they have their own way of doing things um and that's a group that's been together for a while. 
they're very tightly knit and it's going to be different. Um, and I think there are, there are, there, there can be two good ways about doing it. I think the way Ron Rivera did it was successful in its own right. And I think the way Matt Rule is going to do it is going to be different and it can also be successful. But yeah, I do think Matt comes in and says, I kind of need to start this from scratch. Um, and that's whether you agree with that or, or disagree. I think that's just the way he approaches it, knowing that if he's going to build it the way that he was brought here to do, the only way he knows is is his own way. Um, I think he's willing to learn and hear about maybe what's worked well in the past. But by and large, I think he comes in here with a plan of attack and it, it kind of requires him to kind of tear it down before he builds it back up. Yeah, I think that's what David Tepper has said specifically. Like he's used that exact phrase. You have to tear things down mm-hmm. to build them back up. You know, I mean, he he keeps saying tear down and rebuild, but yet somehow the idea has not gotten into a lot of people's heads that they're tearing it down and then they're going to rebuild. And I think that a lot of people uh, rightly feel like when Cam Newton is on the roster and if Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey are both going to be on the field, it's going to be tough to tear it down that far, um, which I think makes a lot of sense. Um, but I also think that in my mind, a lot of people feel vindicated because Cam Newton hasn't been traded and Christian McCaffrey wasn't traded or hasn't been traded. And I feel like a lot of people say, well, you know, you said the media said that Cam was being shopped and Christian was being shopped. I, I do think that was true. And I think that just like what Max said is that you want to try and build the culture the Matt Rule way. And whether or not that involves these guys it remains to be seen for yeah. the future. Yeah, and of course, you know, the, the, this isn't all going to happen overnight in one offseason. Um, you know, I think, yeah, well, it's, it's, this is a very important part of the process. This, this first phase and just the, the beginning of it all is, is critical and there's a lot of attention on it. I do think, you know, we're looking at the next, you know, two to three years of a period where, uh, I'm slowly starting to build it. And it just just because something does or doesn't happen in the next few weeks or months, I think, you know, we're, you, we're looking at this from a, a larger scale perspective when it comes to the Matt Rule era starting. And I think this is going to be a couple of years here before we really start to see exactly what the plan is and, 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 and really see it take shape, which I think is also something to keep in mind. So looking at what the Panthers might actually do here with free agency, there's a laundry list of players hitting free agency this offseason. I'm just going to kind of go through these guys. What about, we'll start with Mario Addison. Thank you for your time, Mario. We really appreciate all of your time. But um, I'm not winning a bidding war for a 32-year-old uh, pass rusher for a rebuilding. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree with you. I do think that they need... They need a couple of like adults in that room. I don't know who they're going to be. I don't know who it's going to, but you need somebody that's like, I don't want to say like close to retiring, but like that isn't 25, 26 years old. But that's what I think. I don't know if that's what Matt Rule thinks. Matt Rule may think to himself, well, I've been dealing with 18 through 21 year olds my entire career. I like these young guys that I can mold a little bit better. I don't want a voice in there that is saying the opposite of what I'm saying. Um, but for me personally, I might not mind having somebody, whether it's Mario Addison, whether it's, uh, you know, like Gerald McCoy, although I don't think he would come back or another, you know, free agent guy that has a little bit more tread on his tires. That's been in the NFL that can teach these guys, you know, Hey, we got to listen to our coach. 
You know, there, there's also that, the thought of that, that it does help to have a veteran in there who can kind of be on the coach's side. So I wonder if they're going to find somebody that has played with one of these other defensive guys and maybe somebody that played with Phil Ford in or Phil Snow in um, uh, in Detroit. I know that was a while ago, but, you know, I, I think there's a lot of um, I think there's value in having one of these old guys, whether older guys. Sorry, Mario, if you're listening, if you are like a Mario Addison um or even maybe a Ross Cockrell, although I'm not sure that he fits that bill because I think he's only 28, 27, 28, 29 years old. Yeah, yeah, you need some, you need some veterans on the roster. There's no doubt about it, Josh. I mean, and you know, I think um, that's something Matt Rule and, and his staff and everybody I think is is aware of. I think they just got to identify which guys do they feel are the right fit for what they want to do, um, because he's going to need guys in that locker room to help push his message you know there's only so much a coach can do if the guys in the locker room aren't also on that same page it's going to fall flat and I think I think he knows that and I think what he has to identify is for these guys who were with the Panthers last year or for several years is which one of which which of those does he think have a real chance to kind of be a part of and want to be a part of this and I think that that's the key thing too because everybody has to understand that you're kind of starting over with this with this group and this coach which guys are on are, are ready to sign up for that? Whether it's Mario or somebody else, I think the veteran value is is real, and it's a matter of figuring out okay, which of these veterans are willing to kind of to pl- to play the game with this guy uh, and play for this guy and help bring along all the young talent that you know that this team is going to try to put in place as they you know set themselves up to contend in years down the line because we know they're going young and they want to acquire as much young talent as they can right now. But we also know that you can't have a roster full of 23 and 24 year olds as a man's game. I mean, you're going to need some guys who've been there and done it. Is who do you think? Those guys? Yeah, go ahead, Nikki. I'm sorry. Sorry, I cut someone off. I was just going to say, is Trey Boston one of those guys? Trey is one of the guys that everybody wants the Panthers to re-sign. Um, and I, I don't think that would be a bad move. I think he fits in really well with the locker room. Um, to me, I, it'll just be interesting because there, there's got to be a reason why he only gets one-year deals. And you see him in there, and does he want to be part of a rebuild? He has played on some pretty bad teams in his career. and He wants to be a part of an NFL team. That's what he wants. <laughs> he wants a contract, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I'm sorry. No disrespect to Trey Boston, but you know, he's, he's not exactly like tipping the scales for the, for the Super Bowl here. Well, if they need a safety, though, no, I'm just joking. That's uh, everybody needs a safety. It feels like, although now that Colin Jones not on the roster, I mean, safety is looking thin. Yeah. Can you run back yeah. the same safety duo that you ran that you played last year? I mean, you we assume Reed's coming back because he signed a, a longer term deal. So I, I feel like you have to have some kind of improvement, some kind of change at the safety position from last season. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I see your point. I would say, first and foremost, though, if this defense is going to get any better, it's going to have to start up front. Um, the, the safeties, I know, were, were put in some pretty tough spots, uh, and I know maybe some some big plays became magnified because of the way running backs were getting to the second and third level. But uh, I, 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 And I know that this is, this is something Matt Rule said very early on. The defense is a priority, uh, and I think if you're going to be competitive in this league, being among the worst run defense in the NFL – 
it's just not it's just not going to cut it. Uh, and I, I think that's an area where yes, we can look at the safety position, but I think first and foremost, with all the free agents they have in the defensive line, how are they going to shore up that front to give themselves a chance to be competitive in these games? Because if teams can run the ball down your throat, you're not going to stand much of a chance. And I think we saw that throughout most of last season. And Josh and Max, I want to ask you a quick question relevant to this and, and Matt Rule, because we're as we're talking about Mario Addison, I was thinking about how how bad of a fit he was in 2019 with the new scheme. How much do we know about Matt Rule's defensive game plan and whether or not like who's going to be a good fit at this point? Like, do we even do, how much of this do we think we know? That's a great question. I think that we don't know as much as maybe we think we do, because one of the things that Phil Snow has been really good at is adapting to who's been on his roster. Um, And I think that's one of the things that Matt Rule has been very good at. And I think that obviously that's why he brought in Joe Brady, although we haven't really seen Joe Brady work with too many rosters in his uh, short career. But um, I I think that's their thing, right? Is they look at who's on the roster and they adjust the scheme to that. So I think it's less about, I, I think the word that we are going to hear over and over again is culture and bringing in the right guys to fit the locker room rather than the guys to fit holes on the, um, on the, on the field. So I think that's, what's going to happen. So no matter whether, whether or not Vernon Butler fits, fits in on the field, I think off the field, he definitely doesn't. And I'm sorry if you're listening, Vernon, but he doesn't like me anyway. So I feel very confident in saying that. Um, I also feel very confident in telling you he's not listening. Not a one-day contract listener. I was going to say, it sounds like the entire team listens to this podcast with how many times we'd be like, sorry if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize you guys had that big a following from the locker room. Um, uh, duh. <laughs> yeah, well, it's obviously that's how the that's how Apple um, presents their statistics is actually in numbers of Panther players, downloads, and then listens. So it's yeah. it's nice to know. And then they have their jersey number listed next to it, which is nice. So yeah. it's it's convenient. There's yeah. also the story about Bruce Irvin turning us on, turning Cam's music off, and then turning the podcast <laughs> on pregame. One time that, that was a story, too. Kevin yeah. Donnelly recently told. So it's out there. That's on our awesome. last episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, w- I would agree with you, Josh. I, I think this this staff, and especially defensively, like most modern-day staffs, uh, it, it wants the defense to be multiple. I think they're going to look at somebody like Brian Burns and say, look at this pure pass-rushing talent. How do we maximize this? Uh, they're not going to try to fit a square peg into a round hole. I think they're going to say, okay, we've got to take advantage of this unique skill set he has. How can we do that? How does that fit into our broader plans for the whole defense? I, I think they're going to take the smart approach with all that stuff. And um, you know, identify ways in which they can create problems for offenses by by being multiple in that way. So uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see how that, that looks like on the field. But in my conversations with Phil Snow and, and Matt Rule, I, I get the sense that you're going to see a, a lot of different things, and they're not going to tie themselves down to any one thing, which I think is a smart way to do it in today's NFL. Did you tell them you were going to be on the podcast? Because we don't have a ton of listens in the coaching room yet. Obviously, it's a new staff. We're yeah. uh, we're really big with um, uh, Matsko, super into one day contract. Yep, yep. Yeah. Phil Snow is a big podcast guy, so I'll let him. I don't know how to get around to this one, but I'll I'll have him see if he can put it on his list to get to when he gets some spare time. What do you think Phil Snow's favorite podcast is? Do you think he's like a rewatchables <laughs> guy, or is he like a uh, or like a like a comedy bang bang, or like does he like like a 
like a like my favorite murder, like that kind of. Mm. He seems like a like a true crime kind That's of. That's what I was gonna say. I think he's into the true crime stuff. If I had to guess, just what just walking on the treadmill and being <laughs> like, I knew it. I knew it was him. I wonder if there's a new episode of Hardcore History. No. Throws <laughs> down. Uh. Um, I don't think he listens to The Office Ladies? Come on. <laughs> I just listened to an episode of that yesterday. And? I, I mean, as a huge Office fan, it's to me, like, some of the episodes, it gets, like, a little long in parts where uh, maybe they're not, it's just taking a little a little too long to get to the good stuff. But when the good stuff comes, it's awesome. Like, like when you hear about, like, what Michael Scott actually improvised or Steve Carell improvised, like, that's gold as an Office fan. Congrats. So more of that, uh, Pam, if you're listening. Yeah, we need more of that stuff. Uh, Colin, I have a question for you. What do you think, this is what we have to do when we're recording via Skype. We can't like verbally, we have to, we can't like non-verbally have these questions. We have to be like, (laughs) I have a question that I'd like to ask you. Um, My question for you is which, which pending free agent do you think fits in, like if you're Matt Rule, which guy on the list do you want to sign? I think it's do you Ross want to bring Cockrell. Back? Ross Cockrell. Why? Just from a, a just from what I see of him on the football field and what he brings, a professionalism that he brings to me. That's a part of that. I want to have a pros in position, and I think Ross Cockrell's a pro. That's his nickname, the pro. See, I'm on brand. I didn't even know that. Yeah, How about that. There you go. It's a, it's a fitting nickname, clearly. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's—I don't think it's a—it's a great list. I mean, I don't really feel like I'm picking him over anybody in particular because a lot of the guys that are older, I assume, are going to go to you know, greener pastures. Yeah, I, I think there. When you look at this list, it's like you just can't expect Bruce Irvin, Chris Hogan, uh, Gerald Bradbury's McCoy. Deal that gets done before now, right? I mean, yeah. If, if, so that deal would get would have been done before now. Everybody else, you know, like you said, Irvin McCoy, those guys, I expect to move on. Daryl Williams, he this was the this was the prove it year. Um, Ooh, he I, proved I doubt, something. <laughs> Sorry, Daryl. So I don't know. I, I think it's it's really it, it feels almost like Ross by default to me. Same question to you, Josh. Uh, I would say it's either Ross Cockrell or I, for me, I like GVR. I wouldn't mind bringing back GVR to, uh, to, to give, give those young guys a little, another year. I I just feel like Dennis Daly, maybe he doesn't need to be starting immediately at guard. And also uh, the, I hate going into the draft being like, well, they have to draft a guard to start. Right. Um, because when you go in doing that, you end up reaching for somebody. You end up trading up for somebody. You end up just making a, a decision like last year when they had to have a left tackle. It was like, well, we're going up to get Greg Little. And I know that they wanted Greg Little with the first pick, but they didn't necessarily need to go up and get him. And But they did because they went into the draft needing um, kind of that, that franchise cornerstone offensive lineman. And whether or not they made the right decision with Little, I think it's a little bit too early to tell. But um, I, I think that when you look at going into the draft, you want to try and eliminate as many needs as possible so you can go in and say, okay, who's the best player at seven? Who's the best player at uh, at in the second round? Who's the best 
69. Who's the best player at the next one? And so that way you can do that instead of saying, well, I got to get a guard. I got to get out of here with a guard or else, uh, or else Will Greer is going to die back there. So nice to have Dave Gettleman back in our lives. Thank you for that, Dave. You're welcome. I like the big guys up front. Hog mollies. <laughs> Max, what are you thinking? Are you the same kind of answer there? I like I like GVR. Honestly, I like the idea of of, of Mario. I don't I don't know what the mar the market is going to look like, but I think he's quietly been one of the more consistently productive pass rushers in the league. I think he's a guy who brings the right kind of energy to a locker room. Um, when I, I, when I'm starting to look at now is which, which guys do I think Matt rule would want to be down there kind of influencing the group. And I think Mario, I think Trey Boston is another one um, who, who kind of fit that bill. Of course, the, the price has to be right when you're looking at making these decisions, especially with where this team is. Um, and to, to Josh's point, I, I'm curious to see what the market for Van Roten ends up looking like. Um, you know, he's been a starter on this line for a couple seasons now. And um, I think he at a, a tremendous depth piece on an offensive line at, at the very least. Um, and if you could bring him back and have him competing for a spot, um, I know he views himself as a starter and he's, he's earned the right to look for that opportunity. Um, but you can't have enough depth on the offensive line. And if Greg wants to be back, we know what kind of guy he is. And I think he'd be he'd be great to have in that locker room. Any other free agency thoughts before we move on? Uh, I, just, I have. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead, Josh. My thing is that I think that everything that they should be doing should be with an eye towards getting the most and best comp- compensatory picks for the 2021 season. And whether or not they're going to do that, I have a feeling and everything that I've heard, everybody that I've talked to has said that that's kind of what their plan is going to be. But I do think that's incredibly important to not. So if Bradbury signs a big deal and then Trey Boston signs a semi big deal somewhere else, they're going to let him go. And I think that if they, if they are smart and if they're really looking towards the future and if they're looking towards, they're going to transition to this analytical period and be process based. The best way to do it is to find these guys that are not going to count against the the comp pick formula and find these loopholes and, and assemble your kind of free agency hall from those guys and I think they've already started to do that, and I think they're going to continue to do that. Um, and that, to me, should be their main kind of goal. What do you think? What do you guys think will be the biggest average like salary that they that they sign in free agency? Like, what do you think the biggest contract that they'll put out in terms of, like average per year will be? Uh, six point eight million per year. I think they've got one guy that they're going to sign for that much, like three years. T- 20 million that's not 6.8 is it i'm not good at math it's pretty close yeah that works <laughs> yeah it works out like three years 20 million for some defensive tackle that you've never heard of that is uh that everyone will get really excited for and pretend like they know who who it was look if i can quickly <laughs> always like that YouTube guy clip, always liked him if i can quickly find the youtube clip it proves that i watched him before it's the first rule of twitter yeah uh, yeah, I was when he would rotate in there on that Minnesota defensive line. I mean, their run defense stiffened, and they, you could tell they there call was a this difference. Their buck front right here. This is their buck front. <laughs> well, another headline this week. I know Colin has lots of thoughts on this. The CBA was signed over the weekend. Colin, what stands out for you? 
the biggest number that stands out is is 500. 500 NFL players who decided, nah, I got something better to do. I got I got something I'm something other to do than to vote on my labor future. Kudos to you guys for sitting this one out. I can't wait until you try to complain over the next decade because that's how long this deal is about your situation after you decided, nah, don't need to vote. Isn't that just the way that society operates, though? Is that a higher percentage of Americans that voted in the last election? Oh, boy. Are we... I would say there's a, you have a more direct correlation with a smaller pool in this situation. And this was a vote that was decided by less than 100 votes. And yeah. 500 guys sat out. 60, I think. Less than yeah. 60 votes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... The 17 games, I don't think, I think the owners win. I think the owners are always going to win in these kind of negotiations, unfortunately. Um, but I think that, you know, if what it did help was these lower tier guys, as opposed to the uh, the big, the guys that are they're seeing in your headlines this week are not who's going to be affected by the CBA. It's the ones that make the minimum salaries. It's the Colin Joneses of the world. Sorry to bring that up again, Colin. Um, but it's the Colin Jones of the world. It's like the Jermaine Carters of the world, the Andres, the Jordan Kunashiks of the world. Like they, they made more money in this new CBA and that is why it went through. I mean, the, the owners were smart. They wanted the 17th game and they did what they had to do on the lower end of salaries to get that passed. And, um, I, I thought it was, um, yeah, I, I think it's fine. Smart. I, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's yeah. it's smart to incentivize the bottom half. I mean, this is it's it, it's really unique in America to see the situation we currently have, where the bottom half of the league, because we had multiple guys at the top of the league voicing their displeasure with the CBA, and because of the sheer number of guys at the bottom, they ultimately wag the dog here, and that side ends up winning and signs a ten-year deal. So a bunch of guys that are in the league for, I mean, the average career is three years, but they have signed a deal that. Like in terms of generations, like three generations are going to have to live with of players. I, 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 I'm no, I'm no labor expert, but that seems a little, little screw to me. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I thought it was interesting. I mean, for every, you know, Russell Wilson and J.J. Watt out there, how many, you know, Andre Smiths and Jermaine Carters? I mean, the, 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 the guys at the bottom kind of outnumber these big stars. There's, there's very few guys in the NFL who have these big money contracts like those guys. So I think, yeah, you, you saw. Um, those guys at the bottom of rosters, um, their their voices were clearly heard. I was I was surprised that this went through so quickly. I mean, I just remember my first year covering the league in 2011. It was a huge. Everyone was so concerned it was going to be a lockout, and this, the 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 labor dispute was something that everyone felt could be ongoing, and everyone was a little unsure about when something was going to get done. Of course, they were able to kind of come to an agreement and only sort of missed a little bit of that kind of spring practice period. And so things were delayed a little bit. I remember like Cam got a little bit of a late start to his rookie season because of it. But yeah, with that being the last experience 10 years ago, I assumed we were going to be in for a bit of a battle here. But the thing that surprised me was just how kind of seamlessly this thing went through. Um, And, you know, for football fans, it's a great thing because you kind of assume this would be something hanging over the league's head for a while as they, you know, threatened a, a stoppage to see who was who was going to win out in these negotiations. But, you know, lo and behold, this was was pretty painless. Yeah, I, I think that the practice squad 
changes are going to make a, a difference. I think that this, what it did was it, it opened up a couple more things for smart teams um, because it just seems like sometimes, and you saw it today, the first day of uh, training camp um, or the first day of free agency that like the Ravens are out there trading fifth round picks for Calais Campbell mm-hmm. and they're trading Hayden Hurst for a second round pick. Like they're just put like the smart teams always seem to be operating on a higher level. And unfortunately I, I don't feel like I would put the Panthers in that, um, in that group, at least not now. Um, and I, I think that when you look at what they've added with like the practice squad rules and some of the kind of loopholes in the, in the salary cap and the comp picks and the way that the 30% rule now is, is under effect. So I think that there are ways that smart teams can really take advantage. And uh, hopefully, you know, in Carolina, they become, they get into that group that you're like, man, how does Carolina keep doing this to other teams? Yeah. How do they keep trading David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins? I've been a salary cap nerd for a long time, but I, I don't need these extended weird ways for teams to try to manipulate off the field stuff to gain an advantage. Like to me, th- there's a point at which like it's an advantage, but it's not entertaining. Like your, your product isn't gaining anything by, in, by having these I- increased methods of, manipulation does that make any sense well i mean I, I can tell you this in in what people view as a eight and eight league where everybody is pretty much level the the, the ways that you can find any sort of edge that's that's what dave tepper wants his team doing um and so i think in going forward that is a, is a huge priority to figure out what are the ways in which we can give ourselves some sort of advantage just just to use the exact phrase you said Colin. um and they, they're going to want to tap into that. If they're not, I don't think they're the right, the right men for that for the job in Carolina. That's certainly what what Dave Tepper, you know, is is looking for from his team going into the future. I think the, the interesting things about the CBA in my mind that we haven't really touched on yet, I think, is is, is more football. Um, you know, obviously the 17th game, but less preseason football, which I think we can all celebrate. Um, Yay! And the the playoff format. Um, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about the fact that now only the top seed gets a buy and an additional playoff team. So you've got seven playoff teams coming from each conference, which to me is interesting. I thought the NFL playoff system for the longest time was pretty much perfect. Didn't really think it needed any tweaks made to it. Everyone seemed pretty happy with the product year in and year out. But the addition of one team in my mind doesn't seem to change my mind about it. I think it still it still will produce, uh, you know, an outstanding product at the end of it, but it is a change to a system that has been pretty flawless for the most part. Yeah. Well, now we'll have fewer rest versus rust discussions. As only one team gets a buy. That'll yep. be a shame to lose that every year. Um, I, I do worry though, that the, the number one seed, you know, from year to year. And I, I didn't do the, I didn't do this, the statistical research on this, but it feels like more often than not that one year, that, that one seed versus the two seed sometimes just comes down to who's in the easier division that year and not necessarily a true representative of who is the best team in the conference. So I, I do kind of hate that only one team has that carrot to, to chase at the end, but every season is going to play out a little bit different. And so, um, you know, I guess we'll see if it matters, but it, it feels like, if you're going to have buys, it shouldn't just be two two teams that have buys. Yeah, I think the one, I think it really rewards the one seed. It really does. It makes it, I think there are going to be some fun uh, times when you're, when teams are really competing in the 16th and 17th week of the season, which I think is probably what they were trying to do yeah. um, here instead of having the, the last week. 
I mean, it's it's basically every season, one of the two conferences, the one seed is pretty much locked. The one or two seed is locked up, and you have, uh, and it's usually Brady is uh, is is sitting um, in week seventeen or Drew Brees. So uh, I think this will this will add another level of competition. But I also think that all it's going to do when you take away one preseason game, it's just going to change. I don't know. They say that it's like, oh, if you're a player, you play in one less preseason game. These guys aren't playing in in one of those preseason games. So I, I just don't think it makes a difference. Can I, they take, why can't they take away two preseason games? That's what I want them to do. Take away two. Why do you need more than two preseason games? Um, if you guys could see me, I'm doing the money symbol because that's really the number one reason, right? I think yeah. they would have they would have 50 games if they could. Um, yeah. they, I mean, ultimately... The NFL and the owners don't care about player safety. Uh, sorry, Roger, if you're listening. <laughs> Everyone's listening. Everyone's big, listening. Big winner in all this fantasy football players, too, is kind of to your point, Josh, with weeks 16, 17 now being a little bit more uh, competitive, you would imagine, not having the star players sitting out uh, in those weeks. It, it seems like the fantasy football community got a big win with this new CBA. I'm going to give you guys a question we got from Twitter, which I think everybody pretty much has this same question. Uh, this came from Four Man Rush. Rebuild, retool, mixed refurbish, what are we doing? Obviously, you've seen the tweet from Charles Robinson where he said, interesting on the Panthers, several team execs I've spoken to said that, quote, everyone is available to heading into the combine didn't hold for Carolina. GM Marty Herney is working more of a mixed reboot than total rebuild. They're going to retool as they go rather than gut it. There's a lot happening there and a lot of different things. How do you guys feel about kind of this lack of alignment right now? I I think I talked about it on the last episode. My big problem is that they are, they, they, Matt Rule is here for seven years. David Tepper obviously is a dictator for life. And Matt Marty Herney is on the last year of his deal. And so if you're on the last year of your deal, yes, you obviously you want to you're you're gonna go along with what Matt Rule and what David Tepper are saying, but at the same time, you want to preserve your job. And you need to make sure that this year you're doing enough to keep yourself in the building going forward, self-preservation at its finest. And I do feel like there is a lack of alignment in in the building. Uh, they can say that they're aligned and they could say they're all on the same page, but the reports are coming from different places. And when you hear these different reports, those are just coming from different sources. So Marty Herney is telling somebody something. Uh, Matt Rule is telling somebody else something else. Someone uh, in the, you know, elsewhere in the building is telling somebody somewhere. You know, all these things are coming from different people. And when you hear all of these different things coming out, uh, when you hear that everybody is for sale and then a month later, no, 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 we're actually going to retool. That, that is, that, that's troubling to me. I, I think it's just more of a reality where what's left. I mean, what's, what's the difference between retooling and a total rebuild? Christian McCaffrey deal. That's pretty much it at this point. I mean, I know we got the cam saga looming. We've all p- placed our bets there. Um, but I, I think pretty much this, this roster now is guys that have been signed in the last 12 months and guys on rookie deals. I mean, that's really what makes up this roster at this point outside of Cam and, and CMC. So 
I don't know if there's any kind of like mid, you know, any difference here. I think it's just it's just semantics. And the reality is, Marty's time probably is nigh. I mean, I, I you know, I'm not calling dead man walking on the green mile, but you know, after this draft, why would he not have a new deal? Why would he not be inked into that? Why on unmasked would he not be making a toast at the big steak dinner? I don't know. Um, but he didn't have a glass I, in his hand. I, he, didn't, I, he didn't get a glass from the waiter. <laughs> it, uh, it is bad luck. I believe Marty's into that, you know, superstition. But I'm just saying, like, if you thought you were going to be the fearless leader for going forward, you make the toast. I'm just right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and this this is what I mentioned kind of early on in the show. I think we're we're about to find out, um, you know, what what happens in free agency. I mean, Colin, to your point, you can look at the, what the roster looks like right now, but I think the the big thing to analyze is going to be what kind of contracts are they going to tie themselves to over the next few days and weeks. Um, and I think when, you know, Josh is talking about where Marty stands, we'll see what kind of decisions this team decides to make, uh, you know, with, with, I think the guys they sign or don't sign are going to tell you a lot about kind of what direction this team thinks it can, it can go in this season. Um, if it's whether it's going to be the rebuild or retool or whatever R word you want to use to describe it. Um, I think it's it is legitimately confusing right now. And, you know, that the Panthers don't have to reveal their plan to the world at the moment. I think it make things a little bit easier for everybody if they did. But for competitive reasons, I don't think they're going to. So for right now, we just wait to see uh, who they pull the trigger on. And I think the guys that ink contracts, um, whether it's a bigger name than you might expect or if it's the smaller names that Josh was alluding to, that no-name defensive tackle that suddenly everyone is going to be watching YouTube clips of, uh, I think will tell us kind of what direction at least the GM thinks his team can go. It wouldn't have been surprising with a new owner and a new coach to have them sna- you know, snap somebody up real quick here at the first day of free agency. So the fact that they haven't done that suggests to me that they you know, maybe are bargain shopping. Maybe they do have a price in mind for guys um, and, and aren't just – going to, to get guys. I think this is longer term. I would expect more quiet than not uh, on the Western front here during free agency from the Panthers for this season. Where do you guys weigh in on steak for lunch? Seems a little bit, um, I don't know. Uh, like, well, yeah. Like, are you, are you getting good scouting in after you just ate a, a 12 ounce ribeye and like some mashed potatoes and gravy? Like, well, I think it was more. How would you how would you answer that question if it was shrimp cocktail for lunch? Well, I mean that shrimp cocktail is going to wake you up. Were you, are nice. we assuming so that was a daytime alert. thing? Yeah. Was that a lunch thing? I thought I assumed it was when they talked about shrimp cocktail. I assumed 5 p.m. minimum. That that was a lunch gathering. There you go. And wow. I feel like shrimp cocktail at lunch. I mean that's oh boy, I, that is like the height of elegance. Off, when you're nodding off during the 40, everyone seems fast. Oh man, he was he got there he got down the line quick. Uh, no, no, you just had too many rolls. <laughs> that is a great point, Josh. Though the shrimp cocktail sauce is literally like the smelling salts the guys use on the sideline, where you know they, you kind of take a little sniff before the game starts to get yourself like jacked up. So I don't know. I think they were they were wired and ready for those 40s. That horseradish, baby. <laughs> Uh, who wants to play a game? Yes, let's do it. Yeah. The K one. No, it's a it's a little different. What? We're gonna do Cam to COVID. <laughs> so you can only Topical. go 
1 to 19. We're very topical here with what's going on. Um, yeah, so 1 to 19. Sorry, K1. Ne next, next game will be back to you, hopefully. Uh, Chance NFL opening weekend is held on schedule and with fans in the stadium. Mm. I'll go first. I'll, I'll say Spanish flu, 1918. 18%. <laughs> you got 19 and 18 in there. I, I did. I did. I, did mean to. I realized. I realized very quickly that once again I've managed to screw up the game, even though we're <laughs> in remote locations. Uh, but yeah, my, my 18. I think. I think. I think we'll have this thing figured out by then. I do. Uh, I might give it a little, a, a little bit lower on the list. Maybe like a Curtis Samuel. I, I think that it's um. It, it, I think everything is, is up in the air right now and everything's in jeopardy. And if you think that the NFL is not at least figuring out how they can hold games in empty stadiums, uh, you're, I, I feel like you're kind of um, being a little bit too positive. So I think that, I, I think there's at least a chance that this thing stretches on. You look at where, you know, they're, they're talking about baseball, not starting until July. I, it just, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit nervous. It, it would be a real shame if Sunday Ticket and DirecTV is going away in the year that was made for the DirecTV Sunday Ticket. But here we are. We're in a cruel simulation. Yeah, I, I think the optimist in me wants to just continue to believe that uh, things are going to sort themselves out and they'll start on time. But, yeah, I think, Josh, for the reasons you mentioned, I'll just I'll one up you with a Brandon Zylstra 11 um, mm. to your Curtis Samuel 10. There's only one 11 in my heart. <laughs> Barry Larkin. Barry this Larkin. Is podcast. <laughs> okay, how about number of wins the Panthers will have in 2020? Cloud Dog, Jimmy Clausen, two. Ooh. Two? I see. Yep. We're going to get a nice early one. We're going to rally around. Matt Rule, and then we'll, we'll have a night, an, another one around Thanksgiving. Uh, I'll give it the Randy Fasani six um, because I think that they're going to try and only win three or four, and Cam or Christian or whoever else is out there is going to drag them to a victory in Week 17 uh, over a uh, over a falcons team that is not trying and then twitter will have eight months to complain about a week 17 win that cost them a draft spot <laughs> yeah no I, I was i was gonna say five or six maybe the line being five and a half so there you go all right what pick am i looking at a different roster than you guys where are these wins coming from wait colin i you got are we using this shutdown time to construct the defensive linemen that we are going to employ for the Panthers? Is it Max, are you now constructing D linemen for the Panthers? You're now a subcontractor. Uh -huh. Where? Where are we getting these wins? I don't know. It's a, it's a Westworld situation. <laughs> Colin, do you think those two wins will be like complete weird ones too, where they're games we obviously shouldn't win? Uh probably multiple turnovers on both sides, maybe a return touchdown of some variety. Uh, a mixed, a missed kick or two sprinkled in there, uh, and then a nice little chip shot at the end to, to win it. That's a, like, 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 let's just think about it too. Like, how how bad objectively would you say like the Miami Dolphins roster was this year? 
Pretty bad. Mm. Like horrible, right? And what was and what what was their record? Uh, five and eleven. Right. So the Miami Dolphins got five wins out of that roster, Colin. So that's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying too. Oh. Is even some of these really bad teams. Um, I don't know. I think five six wins, depending on how things kind of shake out and what they do in free agency here too, especially, is not out of the question. Well, I think they also had a head coach that wasn't on board with the overall plan of tanking, and it seems like. We may be our head coach may be captaining that ship. It's a good point. They also had a quarterback who refuses to lose, perhaps the best refuse to lose quarterback of all time. And I would imagine the Carolina quarterback refuses to lose as well. I'm talking of course about Will Greer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What pick will the Panthers have in the twenty twenty one draft? Number one. Number wow. one. Wow. Who are they going to take with that number one pick? Sunshine. (laughs) It's sunshine or bust. It really is. Because with all due respect to to a guy like Justin Fields, and I know we've got a lot of time. We've talked about it. You can't run that. He's too similar to Cam in terms of style. This is is sunshine or bust. And I think if they're going to go for it, I hope they do it right and they get it done. And then it's all worth it after that. Why is being too similar to Cam a bad thing? Because we've seen the movie. The reality of sports is you're not going to win most of the time. So if you're going to you're going to run something back and it's going to it's going to be a, a, a failing with another athletic quarterback. I think I think it's just time for a different uh, a different tune. That's interesting, because I would say that the league is going to be seeing more and more athletic quarterbacks. College football is going to produce more and more of them. You're going to see far less pure pocket passers. And this league, the success of these teams is going to be defined by which teams can build an offense around these type of quarterbacks. I mean, the cams are there's going to be more and more guys who play the game like him, maybe not the exact same way with the same physical stature. But I think all of these guys need to have some element of mobility to them. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful playing this game at the highest level. I mean, that's just where things are trending. Even Lawrence is a guy who ran at critical moments against Ohio State to, you know, to help that Clemson team. So I think the idea of the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady quarterbacking style is slowly withering away. And Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Fields, Russell Wilson, all these guys, that, that's that's your modern-day quarterback. Colin, sometimes the sequel is better than the original. Okay. And I would say, too, I think NFL teams are better equipped to build a system around that quarterback than maybe they were in 2011. Yeah, I, I look at, I look at Fields and, and see a lot of similarities in terms of, of style of play. And he's just he's a smaller – he looks like a smaller version. And I just don't – I think that's a harder sell. I, I just think you want a, a quarterback that has his own identity, you know, and, and I just – I feel like Fields is going to get lumped in right behind Cam. All right. Interesting. All right. How many times are you ordering Postmates over the next three weeks? Uh, I'm good. I stocked up. I got eggs. I got frittatas. <laughs> um, I'm going to go – you know what? Guess what? I'm going Sir Perk. That's oh. the double zero. Boomtown. No way. No, I'm I'm calling baloney. I want a dollar bet right now that you that if it is truly three weeks, there's no way you go unless you go. Well, we're actually DoorDash folks, but um, no, there's no way you're not getting delivery food once in three. Put weeks. that dollar on the board, Colin right. Hoggard, because right. I'm going three weeks out without a order to bet. You heard me. <laughs> 
I hope your your wife realized what she, you just signed her up for. <laughs> I want to hear Nikki's answer to that question because I feel like I feel like you may be going over be going over nineteen on this one. <laughs> well, I just went to two grocery stores this morning, and I am prepared for the next three weeks. So I am hoping for maybe just a Derek Anderson. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. Hoping. I bought a lot of stuff to prepare. My one concern with that, though, is my roommate may eat all the food before there's, like, an actual quarantine. So then I don't know what we'll do. We'll have to order Postmates every day. So that's that's been my strategy is to eat on the front end via delivery service and keep the reserves reserves for now. So we're starting out strong here. Um, I think think we're going to be right around a Curtis Samuel by the time it's all said and done. That's fair. Max, I see. Here's I don't think I'm gonna I don't think I'm gonna do it very often either because I feel like I'll drive myself to get out of the house first of all and then you know pick up takeout to bring home. I think is what I would do as opposed to doing the Postmates anyway. Just some reason to have some maybe other human interaction, get yourself out of the house without actually having to sit in the restaurant and go against the uh, suggestions from all the experts. So still practice social distancing while also like getting out a little bit. I have a question. How, how can I play? Can I throw out a topic? Absolutely. How many times will Nikki change out of her sweats in the next three weeks? <laughs> Cam to COVID. Cause I think we're looking at like, I think we're looking at like a Sir Purr again in this one. She's going to have door pants, which are <laughs> pants that she actually answers the door in, but doesn't wear the rest of the time. Like they're probably like laying on her couch nearest the door right now. So you can just slip into them, answer the door, then slip right back into the sweatpants. Door pants. This is this is what this is what the uh, pandemic gives us, Nikki. I mean, I work from home anyway, but I throw a lot of events, so I usually have to be forced to get out of them every day. So. Buckle up. Um, I may never change. Although I'm not wearing pants right now, so. Oh boy, this this Skype session has taken a turn for the <laughs> Randy. Do you have pants on? I have shorts on. Okay. Are those your house pants? No, they're my just my shorts. Did you I've run them? If they're I've, still there. I did go for a run today. I witnessed Josh running, was it yesterday or two days ago? I drove by and I tried to honk at him and scare him, but he had his headphones and apparently the music was too loud. He also looked like he was dying, so. That was like literally less than a mile in, too. That's how that's how I go from zero to dying immediately. <laughs> Max, you want to throw out a number? <laughs> on Nikki changing out of her sweats? <laughs> well, gotta get the guests input. That's why you're a pro. Oh man. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a what, what's a what's a good number here. I like the Derek Anderson. I like the callback number to like a not currently on the roster number. That's that's uh, I'm into that. Um, what's can anyone think of a Panther who wore number five? I mean. Besides Michael V. Polardi, the most valuable Polardi. There you go, and that's and that's and Polardi would kill me for not being able to come up on the spot with the fact that he wears number five. But yes, Polardi. It's there you go. Zap. That's your excuse. You got zapped at the thing. It's what happens when you're off the job. Exactly. Exactly. Totally forgot. Losing all of the knowledge second by second. 
<laughs> well, we got one more question, and this one is actually just for Max. You know, you've been covering the Panthers all these seasons. Give us some of your favorite memories covering this. Oh, man. Um, I mean, the, the obvious place to start is 2015, and that is like, man, go, going through that season made made the whole experience, honestly. Um, especially as a content creator, you, you literally could do no wrong. Anything that we put out from the Panthers was, was a hit just because that team could do no wrong up until the last game, which ended tragically. Um, but what a, what a fun ride that was. Um, getting a chance to go to the Super Bowl, even though they didn't win it, uh, just being at the mountaintop was just an incredible experience. Um, you know, I would say for me, being like a huge draft geek, go being in the war room on a few occasions will always stand out. Um, and look, look, I, you know, I'll go back to the Super Bowl too. When they came back from that and lost, um, I had the chance every once in a while to like to drive to get behind the wheel of the Panthers' social accounts from time to time. And one of those times was after the Super Bowl, and they got back to Charlotte, and the buses rolled in the parking lot, and there were Panther fans everywhere. It was one of those really cool scenes where everybody was heartbroken and super sad about having lost that game, but you had all these fans there to support him. And I ran off the bus, and I went up to the 400 level of the stadium where, like, these giant windows were. And I snapped a photo of all the fans around the buses. And we put it out from the cat head, as we call it. And uh, until, I believe, Cam brought Chosen to his press conference, it was the most engaged with photo the Panthers, you know, Twitter account had ever posted. Um, and it was just a really cool moment where... Uh, you know, you saw the fan base and the team come together after what was incredibly disappointing. And for me personally, it was just a moment of, well, oh, man, I got to document this. And I'll never forget that, um, sending that tweet out and just living in that moment of, um, you know, what was obviously so close, but just not not quite enough to win that game. But, um, you know, that memories from all that especially that one will, will always kind of stay with me there, there's there's so many to to name so many conversations with josh in the locker room um sitting there waiting for press conferences to start uh the random you know chat you had with players off the record i mean all that stuff made made the job what it was uh couldn't really have asked for more honestly Who's a guy that you remember from your time that you think is maybe underappreciated or, or left here with a, a, a reputation that didn't exactly live up to the, the guy he really was? Man, that is, that is a great question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> a guy who is underappreciated. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about on the field here, not so much like Carl from accounting. Like yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. players specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like you know, if you were to ask that answer that question nationally, I think it'd be you'd have a couple of different directions you can go. Um, you know, I don't think that for all the great things he did um, on the field, I, I, like I would say, I would say somebody like like Greg Olson didn't always get his due until maybe, you know, too late uh, toward the end of his career from a national perspective. And in, in locally, everybody understood what Greg meant. Um, 
and you know that was he, he was a star here and obviously that was uh we, we could all see that but i think nationally he was one um that it took a while before him to really get the respect that he deserved one of my favorite guys in the locker room i would say jordan gross was another one of those guys who was so good and so consistent at left tackle and i think just because he you know other than his you know very early on is in his career when that team went to the super bowl other than that you know playing on a small market team that wasn't getting a whole lot of buzz i don't think he quite got the recognition he deserved as being really one of the elite left tackles and we know how premier position that is um so i i would i would say those two and you know i think kind of looking forward he's still around and i hope he gets healthy and can get back to his kind of dominant ways but kk short is another one i got another one that i would say i feel like has a lot of those same kind of qualities um who's kind of flies a little bit under the radar and again knock on wood hopefully he gets himself back to to full strength here because i think he's another one of those guys who's an elite player in this league who maybe doesn't get the same quite of attention for it um and all those guys are some of my favorites to cover but uh, yeah, especially especially Jordan, I would say, is, is one of those who um, I felt was was better than maybe you would have heard from the pundits. Max, you graduate and leave the Carolina Panthers with a 53.1% winning percentage, which is pretty nice. Pretty impressive that you went on a win yeah. with a, on a winning note. 76 wins. Had that one tie, which I think we always remember. Um, Cincinnati, yeah. Three playoff appearances. Um, unfortunately, losing Four record in the playoffs. Appearances. Four playoff appearances. Four? Yeah, 13, 14, 15, and 17. Oh, that's right. I forgot you did lead them to three consecutive. That's uh, right. Three consecutive. <laughs> and I know a lot of people, that don't, they always want to throw that uh, no consecutive winning seasons in your face. <laughs> uh, but that's not your legacy. Your legacy to me is back-to-back-to-back NFC South championships. Absolutely. Unfortunately, losing record in the playoffs, uh, three and four. But you did make it to the top of that NFC. Uh, but but why didn't you – I guess since this is, pro- this is likely your last appearance here on the one-day contract, i got to ask you, why didn't you jump on that fumble, Max? Like, yeah, it was the Super Bowl. Uh, Come on. Yeah. You know what I'll say, too? And I don't, I don't think this gets talked about that much. That 2013 Panthers team was really good. And I think one of the biggest, most frustrating games was that Niners loss in the playoffs. Um that, I, I felt like that team really could, could have made a real run at it. And they were better than that Niners team. Uh, it's a game they should have won at home. And uh, that one will always kind of stick with me a little bit as one of those, man, that one was just a real, it, it, it really, it sucked to lose that game, um, without a doubt. That's the that's the one I look back on. I was curious about another uh, third, uh, 2013 game though the the clincher against New Orleans mm-hmm. uh, in the in the rainstorm what's what's your what do you think of first when you think of that one well Luke's performance in that game was incredible uh, he was absolutely everywhere and I remember that interception he had on Breeze with this rain coming down in sheets and it was funny I was talking to Al Holcomb recently who's back with the team now on the coaching staff and he said he uses that that play specifically is teaching tape everywhere he goes now um, of just how to cover that route. And obviously the conditions made it tough on Breeze, but it was just a trademark Luke game in every way from, you know, the amount of times 
both teams are forced to run the football. Luke was just in on every play. And then, of course, he picks the pass off. And it was one of those really great moments at Bank of America Stadium. I've been really fortunate in the last eight years. There have been some, you know, just truly incredible scenes um, at home. You know, that that was a game that was one of them. Um, and, you know, you, you, the, those the, it, it makes it extra special when you're, you're able to see kind of the, the, the stadium react uh, to seeing something like that. And especially with, with those conditions to have people, you know, braving them. Um, that was, that was a cool one, um, uh, among a number of them, but yeah, that, that 13, that whole 13 season, I feel like people forget how special that was. 15 was, was so crazy that I think almost made 13 kind of get a little bit lost in the weeds. I completely agree. And not only was Luke great in that game, I think it's probably the, the best game that Luke and TD played as a duo. Yeah. Um, in that game, Cause TD was right there with them. Yeah. And what a, what a privilege it was to watch those two play together at the peak of their powers. Um, I mean, we were watching two of the best linebackers in the game doing it at the same time together. And they also happened to be like best friends, which just made a, made it really fun to watch those two week after week. And I think we, we kind of took it for granted a little bit at a certain point of just how good those two were at that position. Um, it, was, it was always fun to watch those those two guys go at it every Sunday. Do you want to spill any tea? That's a good uh, phrase, I think, about the war room. Any good uh, war room stories since you said you enjoyed being in the war room? I don't know if that's... Yeah, I mean, you're you're out now, so yeah, now's the, your time. The war room was the coolest thing, man. I, I just that was that was one of those things. There were a lot of points in this job where you're like, man, it's crazy that I'm here. That was definitely one of them where it was like, how did I go from being like a seventh grader, just like sitting on my couch for five hours watching Mel Kiper talk about some random Texas A&M left tackle to now I'm sitting here in the war room, like watching it all happen in front of me. Um, the, the tension in that room is just something that's, it's hard to describe. It's, uh, the, when you, when you get close to being on the clock around like four or five picks before, it's just amazing how the room goes from being very chatty and everybody just kind of shooting jokes and ribbing each other. You know how those scouts, a lot, a lot of long hours on the road, when you get them in one room, the conversation can be pretty entertaining. But then, like an instant, it just becomes deadly silent, and everybody is so focused on making what's a huge decision that not only impacts the organization. You're taking a guy and literally changing his life with the fo- with, by picking up the phone and telling him you picked him. I mean, he has no idea where he's going to be living. Um, you're, you're you're putting him in your city, and so just the pressure of that moment and all of the hours and the money that's involved in it, um, it it, it kind of smacks you in the face when you're in that room. And uh, it was just really cool to to, you know, to get a chance to see that up close. Um, I was able to write about my war room experiences. So I don't have much more to share than what I what I did. write. I remember, you know, in the lead up to some of those picks that some of the guys that they were debating between with the McCaffrey draft, you know, you had the Fournette angle and, and were they interested in him before. And then he goes to Jacksonville and um, it, it's you know, to, to see how the the board unfolds and how it can alter the future of a franchise is always just what, to me, what makes the draft so compelling. You know, who gets picked ahead of them? Who do they end up having to, to settle for? Um, and how does that change the trajectory of a team? And uh, that's why the draft's not for everybody. For me, I've always been a huge fan of it and, and have always just kind of enjoyed seeing uh, how it goes down from behind the scenes. And my hope was that I could give that to fans, was to kind of take them behind the curtain with me. 
Max, do you want people to find you on the internet now or you want them to leave you alone? <laughs> I'm definitely going to unplug a little bit. Um, I don't have to be on Twitter nearly as much as I used to, so I don't plan to, to be on there. Um, but the handle has changed. You can find me at Max Henson. Pretty simple. Um, my follower count is dwindling by the minute here. I think because people realize that they have no real reason to follow me anymore. But maybe I'm going to get into your industry here, Nikki. I might just start doing like some restaurant reviews on my Twitter account. I do have a bit of a following as a amateur foodie, as I like to say. So I might try to spit some knowledge every once in a while about where to go or where not to go in Charlotte. What do you think? I like really it. bad timing. We should have thought this through, Max. Maybe we should have <laughs> talked before you left. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have to be patient with this one. We'll we'll let some time pass before we sink into this project. There we go. Uh, Josh Klein rules. Where can they find you? Oh, at Josh Klein rules. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein rules. Uh, Instagram Josh Klein rules with a Z. Uh, you can follow me. You can read the riot report. Um, in a couple weeks next. Uh, we're going to have our draft episode, which I'm really excited about, but we're ramping up some draft coverage on the Riot Report. Obviously, we've got all your free agency covered, and uh, I know it's a weird time, but we will be uh, we will be right there with all your Panthers news and, uh, and coverage for the next uh, foreseeable future to get you through until we are playing games again. Colin? At Colin CLT on Twitter if you need me. We always need you. <laughs> that is not true. That is actually not true. <laughs> we do need you. Well, this has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. To all of you, I say stay safe, show grace, and take care of each other, and wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash Shout out Skype. Shout out to what Skype. Song, what song are you guys using? What song are you using? You're hand one. Uh, uh, I weirdly counted 20. Is that weird? Uh, 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 I thought usually when people start to like, uh, like, uh,
hello. Uh, this is Vincent from the Great British Drafting Show. Um, every week we are going to be doing a podcast to talk you through the 2020 NFL Draft class and what it means for the Carolina Panthers. I will be joined every week by Ollie, my co-host, um, and we will go through talking about what matters at each position, uh, where the Panthers stand in terms of current players and, and what their potential options might be going into free agency a little bit, and then also what's important to that position generally when looking for prospects and what the 2020 draft class has to offer. We will be going through each position group uh, one by one in the build-up to the draft, um, as that it looks to be a major part of how the Panthers go about this rebuild that we've heard so much about. Anyway, I uh, hope you enjoy this podcast whatever you're listening to and give us a try we are quite good the great british drafting show available on apple google spotify or wherever you get your podcasts